Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 27th episode of the Pulling Tarp Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. I really appreciate everybody tuning in. If you like this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss any more. Please share it on social media so that your friends can listen as well. I would also love to see some more ratings or comments. Hint, hint. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter at it's R.A. Coon. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N, so that you don't miss out on any news about the podcast. I'm really excited to welcome on a special guest, Tyler Oman. Tyler is the former director of operations for the Clinton Lumber Kings, Class A affiliate of the Miami Marlins. Now, Tyler is a member of the grounds crew for the Minnesota Twins during this shortened season of MLB. Can't wait to chat with Tyler Oman right after this break. Tyler, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your Sunday afternoon. How does it feel to finally work your way up to the big leagues? <laughs> well, it's kind of it feels good. Uh, it's it's been interesting so far. I, uh, I I'm only there part time, but it's been a cool experience nonetheless. It's to have the if nothing else, but when I look up, I still have to look up like three decks as opposed to about thirty feet. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so what's it like, I guess, you're working for the team, but there's nobody in the stands? It's been weird. Like, this is, so obviously I just left uh, the Lumber Kings this past March. That was when I, right when everything was hitting the fan. Like, the week, like the week after Rudy, Ruby uh, Gobert tested positive and everything was going crazy. Yeah. It was like my last week on the job. So okay. everything was kind of going nuts. And I moved up here and then I was pretty much stuck doing nothing because everything was closed. Sure. So then finally getting in and actually doing something is um, it's almost all I know as far as with the twins. So like my only experience of tw- the twins having fans is when I was there as a fan. Sure. Yeah. So actually working, it's almost like all I know so far. Yeah. But it's a surreal experience because. We with the grounds crew are actually pretty much seated seated in like the concourse and seats just kind of where fans would be. So okay. that way we're near the field, but we're not all congregated in a small break area. Right. So we're outdoor and we can spread out. Um, but it's been really interesting because I think my last game I was there, there was an infield fly mm-hmm. called, and it just I could hear the umpire yell infield fly, and I turned to the guy next to me and I was like, that's the first time I've ever heard. In a major league game, the yeah. umpire actually yell infield fly. Like yeah. it's 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 kind of from that perspective, it's been really strange. Yeah, I'm sure. Have uh, has anybody ever told you that 
they've seen you on TV yet? Uh, no. Uh, I, there was one time where I was actually seated in an area where like the cameras would pan over to me because mm-hmm. my job required me for that day okay. to be in like a certain area. And that was the game that uh, Fox uh, National Broadcast was. So I was covered up by like fake digital fans that Ooh. they were putting into their broadcast, which it doesn't matter to me. But right. I know there was people who were specifically tuning in. Like my fiance is like, I'm going to watch. And then sure enough, like I'm sitting down the left field line and then there's digital fans where I would be seated. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So what's the what's the biggest difference between a major league tarp pool and a minor league tarp pool besides more people, obviously? Yeah, the <laughs> more people is, is, is huge. But the biggest difference is always having – the number of with the number of people but people who know what they're doing and want to do a good job so like in clinton we always you know we would have to to draw in from our concession staff if it was in game now i haven't had to do an in game tarp pull with the twins at all yet but even still you know in clinton like i said we're drawing uh, from our concessions crew or um most of the time if there was no one no staff in the park that day, other than our front office staff, we end up calling uh, the homeless shelter. Yeah, and we and we have uh, we have a good relationship with the homeless shelter because this was founded by a former Clinton baseball player okay. who has stayed in town, and we have great relationship with them. And so they're, they're just a phone call away. I still have their phone number memorized, and yes. I just basically say, "Hey, we need help pulling the tarp." And so. They're great, they're helpful, but at the same point, they're not people who really want to be pulling the target. Right. So to, to have people who, this is what they're here to do, yep. they're all strong, able-bodied, and fit, and it's just, it's just so easy. Like, I can't right. get over, I, just, I, I, pull, we, I helped them pull the tarp off the field one day, Yeah. and they everyone was kind of taking a minute to catch their breath, and I was like, guys, you have no idea how easy you have it up here. <laughs> right, right, yeah, I mean... You working in Clinton, me working in Beloit. I couldn't even imagine like being that efficient at pulling the tarp. Uh, the with so many the one thing that really blew my mind was that obviously it rains and the tarp's down, and then now not just folding it up, but you got to dump it first, and then you got to put it back on, fold it up, right. Well, they didn't even have to dump it. Granted, we it wasn't an in-game pull, so like they didn't have to rush anything. They could take their time. Uh-huh. They just pulled out this big fan, like it was almost a jet, <laughs> and st- stuck it in the corner with the the roller, the tube. Yeah, and then just blew all this air in underneath the tarp so that the bubble would blow up, and then we just walked all the water off using the bubble. Wow! And so we didn't. Didn't have to dump it, and I'm sitting there like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Because in Clinton, we had some um, industrial fans that we'd set up on the tarp over or under the tarp overnight, and okay. they would create a bubble to help a little bit. Yeah. But we'd almost always still have to dump the water off. Sure. And watching this happen in front of my eyes, uh, I was I was just kind of astounded. And actually, the reason I ended up with the twins is because our former head groundskeeper is with the twins, and oh. he kind of got me in with them and I'm sitting there uh, talking with him. It's like, man, we need, needed one of those in Clinton. He just turned to me. He's like, we needed a lot of things. In Clinton. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Well, um, so can you kind of just tell us what your duties are with the twins besides pulling the tire? 
yeah, it's pretty easy stuff. It's uh, I, I don't want to call it mostly the grunt work because um, it's not all grunt work, but it's it's nothing that's high. Um, I don't really need all that much like, turf degrees or anything like that. Yeah. I just need to kind of sh- know a general idea of what I'm doing. Sure. And so I've done so far like obviously you've got the end game drags and you know the end game drag in clinton was four maybe five people mm-hmm. here it's a minimum of like eight or nine because oh, wow. they have five people on the drag and then they have one person taking out second base so that they can just go right over it and then they have two people over on the first base side raking out and scooping up excess conditioner and two more people doing that on the third base side. And so, uh, kind of learning how they do things. Yeah. Uh, and, and then pregame, it's pretty much tearing down BP, getting okay. all the stuff put away, uh, post game, you know, just raking all the, con- or pushing all the conditioner off, getting it ready to be patched and stuff like that. Okay. So I haven't really done much, um, work that I would consider, like actual groundskeeping, but it really speeds up the process when I'm thinking about my past. And it's like, you know, just if I would have had someone like what my role is now to, to help us, you know, it would be, it'd be great. But it's, it's a lot of just the stuff to that way the people who can, who are actually the groundskeepers full time there can actually focus on stuff to make it as nice as possible. Okay. Right. And, um, okay. So, you work in Clinton, uh, Clinton, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get used to the smell of Clinton? I would say yes and no. Okay. Um, so I, I think I noticed it less, but it also, I found, really depends on which way the wind blows. Okay. So if the based on where my apartment was and where the ballpark was, if the wind was blowing to the northeast, it was going to be a rough day. Okay. Um, if it was blowing in another direction, then chances are we were fine. But if you drove right by the ADM corn processing plant mm-hmm. or whatever it is there, oh, no matter what, you don't get used to that. I don't yeah. care. You could turn that. You, you could have the windows up and the recirculating air on your car, and it's still getting in. And you're, oh, yeah, that that's, the smell was tough at times. But it, like I said, if the wind was blowing the wrong direction is really when it was bad. For, but other than that, it wasn't so bad. For everybody that doesn't know, um, I, I'll just tell the story of the one time I've been to Clinton. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure we met. I don't, I don't necessarily... It, I think it was in 2016, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, don't I think I remember. necessarily remember, but... So, Jess, Jess's brother um, mm-hmm. worked... Alex. Yeah, Alex worked for Clinton... And Jess worked for Beloit, and so she's. It was only I don't know three hour drive, maybe. Yeah, that's pretty quick. Yeah, so so didn't have anything going on that weekend, so we all got in the car and went to Clinton, and you know, you pull up to the stadium, and I get out of the car, and I'm like, "What is that smell?" <laughs> and it is from, it's. It smells like dog food, and it's because there's a Purina plant right there in Clinton, right? 
Yeah, so the mo- most of the time what you're actually smelling is ADM's corn processing plant. Okay. But there is a dog food plant in town okay. that you smell much rare- more rarely. They actually make those uh, – in Clinton, they make begging strips, like oh. the ones you see the commercials for. Like okay, the be- yeah. yeah. That's what they make in Clinton. Okay. But most of the time what you're actually smelling – and I admit, admittedly, it smells like dog food sometimes. Yeah. But it's actually like the corn processing plant. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, so – I worked for Delmarva um, here in Salisbury, Maryland, and right across the street from the stadium is the is a Purdue chicken plant. So mm. depending on which way the wind's blowing, sometimes you get you get a whiff of that. But I just remember pulling up to Clinton, and I was like, "What is that smell?" And somebody said, "Oh, it smells like that all the time here." Yeah, so, it, it's. There's what I always tell people is that the worst thing is is every every once in a while like you're healthy but you wake up and you just feel a little bit off that morning. Yeah, you know, it's just you. It's not you kind of you're maybe a slight headache. You're not nauseous, but you just don't feel perfect. And you're like, all right, well, let me get moving. Let me get outside, get some fresh air, and I'll feel better. And then you walk outside, and it's one of those bad days, uh, and you're just like, nope, 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 nope. Staying nope. inside today, yeah. um why else do you think clinton gets a bad rep and like and then just kind of go into what it what is nice about clinton as well um as far as why it gets a bad rep it's in large part it's small Mm -hmm. um the the surrounding community is small okay so in terms of like the amenities in town like we don't or I say we, I still say we, even though I haven't lived there for a few months, but Clinton didn't have just a lot of things that most people like me from a big city would kind of take for for granted. Mm -hmm. So anytime we would end up going down to Quad Cities, whether it was to watch our team play um, or just to go down to Costco, because for for us to go shopping at Sam's or Costco or wherever, Mm -hmm. you know, it was... It was Quad Cities for us because us to Quad Cities is only forty five minutes. Right. Uh, so a lot of times down there is when I would get my fixes on Steak and Shake or um, uh-huh. Chipotle or stuff like that that like I don't have or did not have in Clinton. Um, and so a lot of the times when players and staff come through, their options are so limited, not just for food, but just on things to do. And mm-hmm. the ballpark's location is awesome in that it's on the river. But the actual like heart of Clinton is not by that area anymore. It's kind of shifted downtown and then shifted further out west to where the casino is now. So like the actual uh, area is great, and I would love to see Clinton develop that more because there's a, uh, a marina right there, Candlelight Inn restaurant is right there, and that's really good. Okay. Um, but in terms of why it gets a bad rep, too, is also – you know, it's a community-owned team, mm-hmm. um, like Beloit was in yep. um, Burlington. And so its budget was never big because we didn't have a millionaire or a billionaire owner to be able to fund this, even at sometimes a little bit of a loss because we always were, had a smaller budget than everybody else. So right. when it comes down to doing things, and granted, everyone in minor league baseball has to do the same things where they're watching their budget, they're trying to do things as cheaply as possible. Mm-hmm. But if sometimes in Clinton, it just you take it to another step, and you're having a small staff do the work of multiple people. So 
I don't want to say corners get cut um, as much as you just make do with what you got sometimes mm-hmm. and wear as many hats as you can, and sometimes a couple of things might get missed here and there. Right. And so um, my goal was always to do as close – we're never going to be big league quality, but the more I can strive to be a, our presentation as big league as possible, then the more um, we're going to improve. Okay. And – so it's, when you and we also mentioned about like what Clinton like has to offer in terms of like the ballpark, it's it's a really cool facility. It's old. Um, it was built in 1937. It was yeah. a WPA project. So it, it, it's for history buffs. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got our first video board uh, a couple years ago. Really? It's a, it's just and it's just a ribbon board. It's not okay. even like an actual video board, but oh, it's, yeah. it's it's there. So. It, until 2018, it didn't have any like of those bells and whistles. Even yeah. that, that's that's the most it gets. So, okay. a lot of the stuff that you'll see around minor league baseball, Clinton just doesn't have. Mm-hmm. But then again, so many people come in through there and say, "I love it here because yeah. it doesn't have all that stuff." Right. Um, and I know you just had Kaylee on, so I give yeah. her a hard time, but. Uh, like with Quad Cities, and I love the staff that was down in Quad Cities, so this isn't a knock at anyone down there, but you go just 45 minutes down the road and they have the Ferris wheel and a roller coaster yeah, and right. video boards and all of this stuff, which is super fun and kids love that too. But you then you go 45 minutes back to Clinton and really most people there are there to watch baseball, which yeah. really appeals to me because I love baseball as much as anyone can. Sure. And so... To just be able to go and in there and see a baseball game without having the constant distractions, um, which again not, aren't necessarily a bad thing, but you know Clinton still does like in-game promos and stuff like oh, that, yeah. but it's just a different scale. Okay. Um, and the and for for players, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Clinton's home clubhouse is actually really really good. That's uh, what I've heard. Yeah. It's uh, most people really don't expect it. Um, it's, I would say, one of the better ones in the Midwest League. Um, it's it's kind of a sleeper pick there. Okay. Um, I'm not going to go out on the limb and say that it's the best home clubhouse in the Midwest League, but it's up in the top five. I would sure. say, because um, in all of the ones I've been in, um, it's pretty close to the top. It's got space. If the immediate access to the hitting tunnels and. Uh, it's a great facility for the players. Now, when they built it in 2006, they didn't realize that like video was going to explode right. like it has over the last decade. So mm-hmm. there was over the last few years, there's been talks about expanding the home clubhouse so that way there's like a video room and you know okay. additional kitchen space because there's not really a kitchen in there. Okay. And but the home clubhouse itself is a huge strong point for Clinton, and even so much so as. Um, our brief uh, broadcaster, Michael Braskowski, mm-hmm. uh, I took him in there after he started just to – because he had been to Clinton before, but he'd never been in the home clubhouse. Right. So, yeah, let's go on down. I'll show you it. And he was blown away. He said, this is the nicest clubhouse I've seen in single A anywhere. Wow. And okay. uh, it's it's definitely Clinton's uh, crown jewels, the home clubhouse. Okay. Can you, Tyler, go into some detail about exactly what you did for the Lumber Kings? It 
I know it may be easier to say what you didn't do. <laughs> um, well, I definitely did never. I never did uh, food and beverage. That was the one area where I had no interest or knowledge to really okay. uh, go further with that. But thankfully, I did not have to. Although it did come close, I will admit. Um, they, I did. So my three main roles um, was ticketing, merchandise, and then like game day ops. Uh, but I always got, ended up going after like 2015. I kind of inherited the social media stuff. Okay. Uh, I had to start working on the website once our broadcasters left after the season, so mm-hmm. then we had nobody else. So pretty much after the first year, a lot of the stuff uh, I inherited, which wasn't the end of the world because once new people came in, I just we kind of worked together so it kind of made it easier on both of us sure um, and then I just spent a year and a half as effectively the head groundskeeper uh-huh. we had at the end of 2018 our uh, head groundskeeper had to leave for health reasons okay so it was kind of the last minute there's no time to find anybody else we can make it a month and a half we're not we're not in the playoff hunt so yeah let's just make this work and then in 2019 our uh, head groundskeeper, who I mentioned earlier, was planning on being uh, coming back. Okay. But then got a full-time offer with the twins up uh, here. Sure. And <laughs> we're like, well, you can't say no to that, especially right. considering his wife was still living in Minnesota. So mm-hmm. it, it was like, you definitely can't say no to that. And yeah. We, I know we put some uh, feelers out there and had some interviews and but it just never panned out. The people we were talking to kind of either bailed or that just became clear they weren't going to be right for the job. Mm-hmm. And so it got closer and closer over the day before we realized, like, it's Tyler, it's all you. So, I mean, it was it was fine. I, I basically did the mowing and stuff during the day, and then once the, the grounds crew, like, high school kids and college age would come in for the games and stuff, yeah. so I brought them in a lot to do a lot of the... Okay. Uh, heavy lifting stuff because I couldn't just kill myself every single day sure but for a year and a half I was doing the groundskeeping as well which was uh, I like to tell people it was quite the journey um I'm sure um yeah I actually do have some food and beverage experience um I don't even know why they thought that was a good idea um but so I interviewed my whole like I well I have a communication degree and my whole experience yeah my whole experience um like professionally up until that point was was media and marketing and so I interviewed um for Beloit's director of media relations and marketing position at the winter meetings and uh they told me that they had hired somebody else and they said well um, we talked to all your references, and they say you're a really hard worker. Um, so would you be interested in our director of food and beverage position? And I was like, are you guys looking at the right resume? Or, um, But nonetheless, I moved to Beloit, Wisconsin to be the director of food and beverage. I did it for one year. It was the worst job I've ever had. Um <laughs> But the year, so they ended up letting go of the person they hired um, as the director of media relations and marketing, and I kind of just slid right in there because I already knew how to update the team website. 
Um, so, and had the social media, you know, expertise, if you will. But, um, yeah, so I, man, yeah. Working in a small front office is, and then what, when people leave, you inherit things. Um, it's crazy. I was in Beloit for four years, and it was just like every year, like something more significant got added onto my plate. Yeah, it's it, especially with food and beverage, that's always a hard one to fill. And having received applications for several different jobs, uh, there's always at least two or three media or broadcast people mm-hmm. just looking to apply to get their foot in the door. Yeah. Even if it's for food and beverage or clubhouse manager or anything because they're just trying to get their foot in the door. And so I 100% believe, you know, when you, and you're like, oh, I had to do food and beverage for a year. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't even phase me because I, I see people trying to do that all the time. And yeah, it, when things happen, like if we started a one year and our food and beverage person we uh, did not do a very good job and became a parent before opening day. Mm-hmm. And the second day of the season, they pretty much were let go. And they're like, okay, well, we still have a game tomorrow. Yeah. So how are we going to do this? Yep. So um, he probably won't listen to this, but Scott Danhoff is a MVP for the uh, Clemson Lumber Kings. He can do just about anything. He's not – he's uh, – He's from the area, so he's been with the uh, Clemson team starting out as like just a, an usher and kind of just stuck around to help and do whatever is needed of them. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, all right. So let's take this opportunity, Tyler, to cut to an ad. Uh, okay. we'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll be right back with Tyler Oman right after this break. What are your thoughts about MLB potentially getting rid of 40 minor league teams, um, which would get, I think, all the team, all the teams in Iowa besides the Iowa Cubs are on that list. And Cedar Rapids. Okay, yeah, and Cedar, Cedar Rapids, Rapids yeah. On the list. Okay. Um, I could probably give you enough stuff to fill 12 episodes about this. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's. In, in short, it's a short-sighted plan by MLB, which is going to cut off access to the sport to just thousands and probably millions of people mm-hmm. um, while who are being priced out of major league games. Yeah. Um, they're growing up in St. Louis. There are two independent league, frontier league teams in the area. Yep. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I always grew up a Cardinal fan, um, would watch on TV we'd find cheap tickets when available you know we'd go um but i also knew plenty of people who wouldn't because they had a family of five and taking them to a cardinal game six times a year wasn't feasible yeah so they go watch the gateway grizzlies or they go watch the river city rascals Mm -hmm. for a quarter of the price sure um and knowing that there's teams that are affiliated with the 
Major League Baseball, the highest product there is in the sport, um, and Major League Baseball is willing to just say, no, you know, I right. I think they should be looking at expanding minor league baseball just to allow people to, if they take a loss, you know, it's kind of a loss leader, right? Like if they take an f- immediate financial loss in Clinton, Iowa, or Missoula, Montana, mm-hmm. or any of these places, you know, that might be fine considering you might be growing a couple hundred fans for life yeah. who are going to later spend that money back with you. Exactly. So, I mean, like I said, I could go on for 12 episodes for you, but that's pretty much my general view of it. Yeah, yeah, and I I definitely feel the same way you do. Um, I grew up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, um, home of the Williamsport Crosscutters, and... Um, you know, there's a lot of great memories there, and that's that is where I learned to love baseball. Um, mm-hmm. I had my first sip of beer there. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up working there as an intern. Um, you know, and that's where I that's where I started out my career in baseball. But that's where I fell in love with the sport as well. Um, and it's been such a staple in Williamsport for a long time. And and they're playing major league games there. Like they play yeah. one major league game there a year um, for the little league classic. But I just don't understand. You know, I understand their thought process, but I don't understand the justification. Yeah, justification yeah. of how, how, and why they would get rid of. 40 minor league teams. Yeah, and in the home of the Little League World Series where kids are constantly flocking to, you know, it's, yep. it, it blows your mind. Um, same thing for the folks in Iowa with Clinton and Burlington. Um, obviously, Beloit's nearby. Um, Cedar Rapids and, and even Des Moines, the Iowa Cubs. Um, you know, Major League Baseball spending millions of dollars to build a temporary stadium in Dyersville where the Fields of Dreams yeah. is. Not anymore. And, they they canceled. Yeah, they just but, canceled the game, but they're I think they're planning on doing it next year. Yes, yeah. it's, it's really frustrating to see. You know, this isn't good enough for us in Iowa, but we're here. We're gonna go. And I, I think you said on a previous episode. I think you've been to Dyersville, but yeah. for people who haven't been to the Field of Dreams, Dyersville is as remote. The Field of Dreams oh. gets off of a gravel road. Like yeah. it's literally, you don't realize when you go. Typically, when you go to a tourist place. You, you'll know when you're on your way. Right. When you're on the way to the Field of Dreams, you're going to doubt you're going to go in the right direction at least four times. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you're legitimately going through cornfields. Um, once you see it, there's the sign and everything, but it's in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's not that far away oh, yeah. from Dubuque, which is actually the city I went to school in. So I, okay. went, I went to college about 20 minutes away from the Field of Dreams. But okay. it's, it's remote. And the fact that they're spending millions of dollars to play a game there. Um, crazy. While basically shuttering um, three Iowa teams is really confusing. I know they're going to come out ahead by making money on TV and tickets and whatever. I'm sure it's game. I get that. But to see this growing the game initiative um, while shuttering teams in the same state is, is really hard to mentally justify. Yeah, for sure. So you said that uh, you do you did some uh, social media work with the Lumber Kings. Mm-hmm. What's the weirdest comment or message you've received while running the Lumber Kings social media accounts? I have an easy and immediate answer for you. Yes. <laughs> um, a couple years ago, I want to say it was 2018, 
it may have been 2017. I got to remember which the rosters, but um, I want to say 2018. Uh, we had a message from a lady. I'd seen the name come across our uh, Twitter feed before, and like so retweets or replies, stuff like that. I so the name was familiar enough that I she was around our Twitter page and stuff like that. Okay, but we got a direct message from her. And it just basically says something along the lines of, Psst, tell Nathan Alexander to check his DMs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so I saw that. Because like, I'm usually trying, I would at that point usually try to keep our Twitter somewhat active during games and stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I always had it up on my at my desk just so that way if I ever sat down, I, I could just click oh, you know, sure. open the, yeah. the tab real quick. And so I saw it pretty quickly. And just like start laughing at my desk, and I think the game either just got over with or was still happening. But when our broadcaster Eric uh, had just had come down, I say, "Hey, have you checked Twitter?" He's like, "No, I've been working." Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, "No, seriously, you need to take a minute to check this out." So he, I, I think he came over to my computer and I showed him. He's like, "Oh my god, that's so funny." Yeah. And. Um, I know he told Nathan about it. I don't. I don't know what she said to him, and I'm not sure I want to know what she well, said to him. But yeah. I do know that he told Nathan about it, and I just—it's easy. Like the one thing that always comes to my mind when yeah. I hear about social media stories is the yeah. one girl's like, "Hey, tell your player to check his check his messages that's, for me," and it was like wow. a wink face with it. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's wow, that's really something, honestly. <laughs> so, um, were you in charge of like staffing as far as like concessions and and like other game day staff? So the one the one role I didn't do, um, and or, or really ever had an interest doing was food and beverage. Okay. Um, so there was always someone who pretty much took care of the staffing. I would assist. I would help them. You know, come like assign like clocking numbers and yeah. help doing some of the managing of like, hey, can you go do this for the? Um, but I, as far one of my least favorite things to do was scheduling staff, especially okay. our significant high school kids staff. Sure, um, sure, was always a challenge. <laughs> okay, but um, so food and beverage, I thankfully did not have to deal with too much. But I would do. I'd have to staff the ticket office. Um, I'd have to staff the team store. Um, and I was in charge of like uh, after my first year my first year not so much but after my second year I was kind of in charge of uh, staffing um, some of the press box staff so like okay. uh, the official score slash yeah. game day stringer um, and then <clears throat> excuse me once we got the video of the ribbon board I was responsible for providing them okay and so like I, I like I think we mentioned um the roles kind of keep piling up, you know, oh, year after for year, sure. and just yeah. kind of like inherit more and more and more. And then I kind of mentally think back in time, I was like, man, it used to be so much easier years ago. <laughs> I was struggling then. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, wh- so staffing was always tough. So what's the worst excuse a game day staff member has ever used to call out of work? Um... I will say the worst excuse is just not calling. That's, okay. That was my. That was always my worst. Like I hate it. Like if you're not going to come, at least tell me you're not mm-hmm. going to come, so that way I can plan around that. Because I, I hate being in. Well, this person's a half hour late. Are they going to come or no? Right. And then as soon as I make other plans to rearrange, they show up. You know. Mm-hmm. But 
Um, that's why I would always say the worst excuse is not telling me you're not going to be there. Uh, but one of my more annoying ones is I had a kid who was on the grounds crew when I had to take that over, mm-hmm. um, who was who didn't have his driver's license yet. Okay. So he was reliant on someone giving him a ride. And I was like, okay, well, because pretty much his mom would drop him off and sure. pick him up and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, well, I just need you here for these days. You know, can you commit to these days? And he's like, yeah, I could do that. And then, like, the next, that first day, he's like, oh, my mom had to go stay to work late or do something. I can't get a ride. Mm-hmm. I can't be reliant on your mom's schedule too. I'm I'm on I'm gonna schedule you on your schedule, but I, I yeah. can't I have I don't think you realize how much time I already spend on making schedules for different people. Uh, I can't try to work your schedule and your mom's schedule into one sure. work schedule. Right. So that one always just kinda of stuck with me. It's like I don't, I don't care about your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she's a nice lady, but I don't Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's the weirdest interaction you've had with a fan? Oh boy. Um, that's another one I could probably fill episodes yeah. for. Uh, <laughs> the fans in Clinton are awesome. I, I still, I have plenty of friends and people I've, I've known over the years who I will, I'm friends with on Facebook. I've talked to them. I still get text messages from of course, them. Of right? course, yeah. I haven't been gone that long either. So yeah. I just, but, um, so when I say... This I'm not insulting anyone, but there's a lot of weird people who come into the games in Clinton. Yep. Um, okay. And they, so there, a lot of people just don't like to be talked to. Okay. And so like, hey, sir, you can't sit there. That's a reserved area. And then all of a sudden, it's like World War Three is about to break out. Uh, you know, so I have to go back up our usher staff. It's like, hey, how about you just move over here? Oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you know, they make something so hard after nothing. But uh, my all-time favorite story was um, I was sitting in the office during a game, and uh, Ted, our GM, was also in the office. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I, we used to have, like, the earpiece radio, right? So, like, if something gets called on the radio... Um, Someone sitting next to me may not hear it unless yeah. there's someone else who has a radio on that's on loud. Okay. And so, one there was I think I don't know if it was one of my interns or some other staff member or someone else who was sitting at my desk. Uh, I was talking to, and Ted was in at his desk in his office, and we get a call on the radio, and it says, "Hey Tyler," I'm like, "Yeah." Uh, someone just threw a beer at the bullpen players. Oh and so gosh. we both immediately just stood up and started walking out the door. And the person I was talking to was like, "What? What? what where'd you? What's going on?" I was like, "Oh, right, you can't hear me. Someone just threw a beer at the players." And I'm like, "And they just said what?" <laughs> so we're we're walking out. It, the bullpen, our our side was on the left field line, so that was the one it was at. So Ted and I are walking out there together, and the entire all the people in the picnic garden, which uh, this was a busy night, so there were several hundred people out there, mm-hmm. but it felt like every pair of eyes in the picnic garden when we got up so people could see us was looking right at us like, oh. here comes Ted and Tyler. Yeah. Because we all know what's going on right yeah. now. <laughs> and so we get out there, and this guy was messed up. Like, he probably had a few too many to drink because, um, and probably was on something else too. Oh, okay. um, 
And we get out there, and he's there, and he's talking some crazy stuff. And then we discern that he's actually here with a company outing right now. Like, there's a, a, a company picnic party that's going on at the moment yeah he's here with this party okay so we find our contact with the party who's like i don't know if he's his boss or just the the guy organizing the party and i'll never forget what he said to ted because him and ted knew each other yeah and he goes it's like what does he need do we do an ambulance do the police and the guy just says to ted flat out i think he needs a padded room and i'm like oh my god what is going on right now and (laughs) I walk over back towards this guy who's losing his marbles, and he's talking. He's people are like laughing because it's like comical just on the face value. But yeah. this guy starts talking about how the zombies are coming to get people, oh. and he's here to protect you. Oh, and gosh. people were laughing because you know someone talking about zombies is yeah. like on the on the surface funny. Yeah, and so for sure. he gets angry because he's like, "I'm trying to help you guys." And <sighs> wow. Um, Eventually, like, the police come, he ends up getting arrested, and I'll just, I'll never forget the guy saying, it's like, I think he needs a padded room, and then once he's done, like, I go back and check on the bullpen, and I was like, hey, is everyone okay in here? And they're like, yeah. Honestly, we're impressed. That was a pretty good throw of his beer. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, we felt terrible. I, I apologized to our manager, Ted apologized, and everybody's like, hey, guys, sorry, like, it's like no, it's fine. Like you know, this guy was messed up. There's nothing he could yeah. do. You know, like right. he just did everything he could do. But yeah, that was certainly interesting, and I'll never wow. forget coming up to the ramp to the picnic garden and just seeing what felt like every pair of eyes just be like, "All right, guys, get to work." Yeah. So, uh, like you, I could probably fill up a, a couple episodes with just stories um, based on interactions with fans, but. I'll tell you this one, and I don't know if it's going to make it into the podcast because it's a little raunchy, but okay. I'm going to I'm going to tell you anyways. I'm I, who knows I might include it. Who knows? <laughs> but so I was an intern for the Williamsport Crosscutters um, right after graduation from college, and um, everybody kind of knows who you are because. Um, if you're on the promo crew, you you wear a jersey. Um, okay. For uh, you wear a crosscutters jersey, and um, so part of my job was to find people for in between inning contests. So I was always walking through the stands, interacting with people, um, stuff like that. And uh, this old lady comes up to me. She's you know in her seventies, maybe eighties. Um, she she's walking with a cane. She comes up to me and she sa- she says, "Excuse me, sir." And and I said I said, "Yeah, um, what can I help you with, ma'am?" And she said she points to um, this blonde girl in a blue dress, and she she says, "You see that you see that blonde girl in the blue dress over there?" And I and I said, "Yeah," and she said. Uh, that's my granddaughter, um, and she said that she'd like to sit on your face. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is a ghost. And, <laughs> and he said this was in Williamsport? Yeah, this was in Williamsport. <laughs> and so I, I was just, like, shocked. I, I, I was speechless for one of the very few times in my life. I was speechless. And, um, and I said, oh, well... I'm flattered, and she said, 
she said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 22. And she said, okay, she's 19. Um, so, so that works out well. And then she said, do you have a phone number like that I can give her? And, and I was single at the time. And, uh-huh. and I said, yeah, I guess. Um, and, <laughs> and I, but I didn't have like a piece of paper or anything. And she's like, hold on one moment. And she goes back to her seat grabs her program and a and a pen and then gives it to me and I write down my number I think I only I t- texted the girl um or she texted me I think we talked for a total of like 30 minutes one time like like just okay. like sending texts back and forth like I think there was four texts exchanged or you know uh-huh. some small amount but but just that interaction like that old lady saying that to me like just really threw me for a loop obviously so Tyler where can the listeners find you on social media um I am pretty much fastfall360 on everything so okay. uh, my twitter is at fastfall360 I think Instagram's the same you know I think even Facebook has usernames I think oh. I'm that too okay. but uh yeah my Tyler Oman and pretty easy to find Right. I, I retweet a lot, so if you get annoyed, I understand. No, no, not at all. So, uh, what has been the best walk-up or warm-up song you've heard in your baseball career, and whose was it? So, I wanted to say that this is, like, my favorite question that you do. Yes. Because I really... Thank you. Um, like, I love walk-up songs because, like, you hear them so much over the course of a season mm-hmm. that they... Like they, as soon you'll hear one years later, and your your mind will just jump right back to a specific year yeah. or a specific player for sure. And to this day, there's several that I know that like I just hear it and I just think of certain people, a certain mm-hmm. time, and like I just associate it. And so that's why I consider like a good walk up song, something I can associate with you absolutely. Immediately. Yeah, and it just brings back memories all the times too. So, but so I had like I actually thought about this ahead of time, and I I kind of gonna cheat a little bit. Cause I got. Um, what would have been my answer was already taken on one of your previous oh, okay. episodes. Uh, Joe Brand took. The oh, song. that's a uh, good one. Like the, yeah, so our, one of our players had that. Okay, Actually, two of our players did one year, and then the next year someone else had it for a brief time before. They Dude, I bumped to that in my car for sure. It's so good. It's yeah, just, it's that Thief by OK or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's it's really good. Like, and we had like this thing like like a rally sort of thing and when this guy came up like we had like people like bumping their hands up and down and nice. uh, guy who, you know, that was the first year of our big ribbon board so our guy who was running it like created like a thing to like show people on the board like moving their okay. hands up and down and Very cool. so it kind of became like a fun one the only downside to it is that he was one of our catchers so he only played like every other day yeah and, yeah like you wanted to hear it like every day but uh um, that's a good song so I can't say that one because it's already been taken but okay. uh Another one along those lines, and this is where I'm cheating a little bit, was uh, actually I went to a White Sox-Cardinals game uh, a few years back when the Cardinals were in Chicago. Okay. And Tyler Saladino had, like, a saxophone thing. And it was just a saxophone solo. It was, I think the song was, like, Want That Old Thing Back. Okay. It was, like, the Matoma remix or something. All right. And it's just, like, a saxophone solo in there. And every time he came up to the plate, it was just a saxophone solo. And I thought that was awesome and, like, funny all at the same time. And the group of us there, by the time he came up in, like, the eighth inning, 
were like swaying back and forth and clapping because like it was a big moment in the game. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, but for Lumber Kings, um, I'm going to go with James Alfonso. Uh, he played for us, I think, parts of two seasons, but was with us for uh, our really good run in 2016. Okay. And his song was like, I'd Love to Change the World by Jetta. Oh. And it's like, it sets up and it's just like, it just smashes right away. And you're okay. like, I'm ready to run through a brick wall right now. All right. And I, I hear that song and I just kind of jump right back. Perfect. That year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'll try to. I'll try to find that one. Um, and just a reminder, um, I do have a Spotify playlist with all of my guests' favorite walk-up songs. Um, just search "Pulling Tarp Podcast" um, on Spotify, and the playlist will be there with the other episodes of the podcast. And uh, yeah, Tyler, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your Sunday afternoon. It was supposed to be morning, but. Um, I was not feeling my best this morning. Um, so thank you for being flexible. It's just like being at the winter meetings all over again. That's, oh, yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah, anytime I get the excuse to go talk and commiserate baseball and minor league baseball, it's a good day. So. Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, thank you for being flexible and uh, taking the time out of your Sunday afternoon. And uh, enjoy watching the Blues game later. Yeah, hopefully they finally get a win tonight today. I uh, really need that right now. Yeah, for sure. So. So, so, yeah, thank you so much, Tyler, and uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. For sure. All right, thanks, man. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.